You're listening to the Digital Communicators Podcast, helping comms professionals stay one step ahead of all things digital and social media. Here are your hosts, Amanda, Raj, Mark, and Tim. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Communicators Podcast. In this episode, we're talking digital employee communication, how to leverage internal digital communication channels to reach busy workers, employee advocacy on platforms like LinkedIn, and tips on aligning internal and external communication. That's a fair bit to cover in about half an hour, but hopefully you'll get something out of our insights today. Workers are increasingly busy and trying to reach them through a mix of internal communication can be a challenge. So this is where I wanted to start. How can we grab the attention of our employees in order to get them to take action or understand internal change? And I think that's a really good place to start, Amanda, because I mean, from my perspective, that point around everyone is busy and trying to work out what is the best way to reach someone may not be the way that you've always done it. And it certainly may not always be uh, based on traditional organizational lines, if you know what I mean, and, and responsibilities. If the outcome is about getting a message to a certain audience, what is the best way to do it? So I think it's a really rich uh, topic of conversation today. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And I think we're, we're moving well away from that typical corporate communications approach of push communications. The, the real deal these days is for personalized content internally. And that way, you're not guaranteed, but you've got a greater chance of getting to the people that you want to get to. And there are lots of platforms out there now that, that are, are working, um, working their way to deliver personalized content um, through distribution lists that you might have through your Active Directory and what have you. And I think it's a really bold initiative because um, it means that you're just not pushing heaps and heaps of communication out to an audience that may be disinterested, that you're actually getting specialised content to the people who need it at the right time to make their job more efficient. Yeah, Mark, I, I, I find it, it's an interesting space because the way people consume communication has changed. So in the digital world, um, people, people consume stuff very differently. They're consuming videos, um, things that are quite short and often in that sort of corporate comms space and, and people in those professions, um, a, a lot of them are still in that sort of old sort of um, old school kind of way of thinking of we'll do a, we'll do a all staff email or we'll do these things um, and that don't really sort of hit the mark in 2023. So I think it's an interesting space where things have changed, but maybe people kind of really need to catch up at the moment. It's best summed up this way that if everything is an announcement, then nothing's an announcement. You know, so again, for me, it's about making the content appropriate. And when you look at the average inbox today, I mean, I don't know how effective you all are at managing your inbox, but you know, I'm at inbox zero on the day I start a job and then um, never again. So, you know, trying to reach people with messages through that medium, I think can still be really effective provided you're using that channel for, um, you know, an effective purpose and reaching people in email um, to get them to take an action or because you need um, sort of their focus on something specific. I think if you are doing broadcast and announcement messages, there are other platforms that can be more effective. And, you know, thinking about the mix, I think, you know, what is the role of intranets nowadays and our ability to kind of access those on personal devices? You know, we all answer 
our emails on work phones, but who can access their work intranet? There'll be a lot of people listening who can't um, and yet are trying to manage those channels. And then also the rise of internal social media platforms, which you know, can be quite powerful in building a community. But again, you know, it's asking employees to kind of tap into a specific network um, separately, perhaps to some of the communication channels that they use every day, as Tim mentioned. And I think this is, uh, again, um, I'm not doing a plug for Microsoft, but, you know, if you look at the Microsoft suite, it's really evolving. It's using uh, platforms like Viva Connections and Viva Exchange, which combines uh, enterprise social uh, media as well. Um, that enables you, if you're a Microsoft house and you're using that product at, at your workplace, you don't need to leave your desktop or your mobile because it's all reflected by a desktop desktop to the mobile and that's really powerful particularly for a workforce that might be mobile um, they can just get everything that is on an intranet on a desktop on their mobile reflected beautifully so I think you know they're the sorts of things that I'd encourage people to think about um, how you get that all-in-one suite of products that uh, what doesn't matter whether you're in the field or whether you're at a desk in the corporate environment. So Mark you mentioned there some of the sort of Microsoft um, internal collaborative platforms and social media platforms. And of course, there are others like Yammer, um, which have, is kind of evolving through that Microsoft suite um, workplace, which is the meta Facebook um, for work offering. And, you know, those are, are I think, really um, wonderful opportunities for organizations to create collaborative workspaces and for teams to come together. But moderating those can be a bit of a challenge depending on your organization and it can be resource intensive. It's not always the case of set something up and people will collaborate. And I wondered about the experiences of this group in participating in platforms within organizations or perhaps even leading and moderating some of those communities and how has that changed in the last sort of 10 years? Yeah, Amanda, it's, it's very challenging. Whatever the platform you choose, um, trying to start a community, um, I've, I often see these communities started and, and there'll be a small group that will kind of pick it up, pick up the technology, um, but to try and get the wider, you know, workforce onto these platforms is, is really challenging. Um, so yes, it's quite, it's quite a bit of work and, um, it's, you don't just set up the technology and it works. You really have to, it's a big culture change and you really have to sort of drive people into these platforms and, and show them the benefit of it. So in some of the workplace promo materials, um, Meta says that, uh, and I think it's provided by a, sort of some research that they commissioned, but Meta says that um, it helps uh, internal comms and HR professionals realise five hours per week of time saving. Um, as a result of the platform, you know, providing more efficient communication. And that's a pretty good sell. I could always use five hours back, but, you know, I'm not sure about the, um, the reality of that when it comes to kind of generating content and um, helping to build an online community and, and sort of building that engagement, I think, does take time. I think it has to be led from the front first up. So, um, and it's important that at an executive level, there's buy-in for this. So if you've got an organisation or an executive saying, oh, you know, we don't care about enterprise social media or we don't care about social media full stop, then you're in trouble. But if you've got an executive team that is prepared to lead this in a dynamic way, set the tone for it, then it will naturally foster 
um, throughout the organisation. That's what I found, certainly. Not to say that you want it leader-led all the time, because you don't. Because these enterprise social network channels only really work when the communities come together themselves. And it becomes um, a two-way interaction between the leadership of the organisation and the rank and file, if you like. So it, it almost gives the people the right to have a say in an open and transparent way. That, that's exactly what I pick up on there, Mark, is the right. And I think that is absolutely the role of leadership is to create the psychological safety for others to participate and feel that they are empowered to have a voice. And you're 100% right again. That's not about leaders doing everything, saying everything, being the only ones to start conversations. In fact, I'd encourage leaders to actually, yes, make those important official announcements, as you were saying right at the outset, that is important. But I'd actually encourage leaders to go looking for the right conversations and elevating other people, giving them a platform, giving them a voice. Because when they do that and when they interact in those little moments, they're the things that other people notice. And they're recognizing that leaders are listening and taking time out of their day to actually contribute to conversations. And that's what builds a culture, not the leader choosing any platform, email, internal social, external social, whatever, to just broadcast. All that does is just reinforced perceptions of people loving the sound of their own voice. Yeah, I heard someone else uh, say the other day, be interested, not interesting. And I, I took that, I think that's be interested, not interesting, you know, so ask questions of people, elicit feedback, you know, show your interest. This is a dinner party we're having, but at work. And, and I think there's actually research that talks to that, Mark. That's a lovely line to use. The research that the team at Swoop Analytics have done around what is the key differentiator between communities that are thriving in the enterprise social space. And it is curiosity. It's the number of questions that are asked between team members because questions indicate interest, as you're saying, indicates interest in what other people have to say, how they came to a certain decision, how you could be part of that decision-making process or the solution, the ideas generation. These all come from questions. So you're absolutely spot on there, backed up by research. I think historically some of these internal platforms have been, you know, provided a bit of a safe kind of sandpit environment for organizations to test out how their employees kind of engage on social platforms and perhaps even, you know, getting them to prove that they're worthy of a bit of trust potentially to post content externally. And, you know, even though it's not really possible to fully prevent your staff from engaging on those platforms, obviously there are some restrictive policies that exist. To what extent do you think that um, positive or negative internal communities, you know, impact um, the way that an organisation approaches its external me uh, social media? Or do you think that it's something that organisations still tackle separately, internal comms versus external comms? Look, there's two things for me in that, Amanda. The first one is, if is there negative culture existing already? And that this is simply a way for that culture to break out. And I think it's really important for organizations to have a good, long, hard look in the mirror and say, is this a product of the environment or is this a product of our organization? And if there are, if there are cultural issues, they've got to be addressed regardless of what uh, area you're in. So, uh, so all I'd say is, yeah, that maybe there might be more systemic issues that need to be addressed rather than blaming the tools. The other thing, and maybe we can come back to this, but I think it's worth dropping a little seed now, is this divide between internal and external comms 
versus the idea of employee comms because I think that that's a, an interesting thing worth talking about because whether it's internal or external, it kind of doesn't matter. I don't want to. I don't want to diverge from that, Rog, because um, my thought around this is a hundred percent focused. Um, if you don't communicate internally first, you're going to have problems externally. The reality is, if you need to talk to people externally, you've got to make sure that your people are fully aware of what you're going to talk about externally, particularly when it comes to crisis management and what have you. So talk first to your own people, get their buy-in, and then talk externally. That is critical in any, it's, it's comms 101. And I, f I find that often the internal comms and the external comms are two separate teams. And it's just so valuable for, for these teams to be talking to each other. Um, often you're working on a piece of content and, and you can have a piece of content and you might put an internal lens or an internal slant on it, an external slant on it, but it's the same piece of content. It's the same messaging. It's the same uh, message you want to get out. So uh, pe people in these teams really should collaborate and work together and definitely in the space of sort of employee comms and LinkedIn um, setting yourself up as an employee choice, um, these kind of two channels work together beautifully. So, so talk, this is my advice. And I think there are some really good examples now of organizations that don't necessarily look at them sort of separately. I mean, they still tailor content for the audience and the platform, which is meaningful. But the idea that if you are communicating via an email to a staff of a thousand people, that's essentially kind of publishing some information publicly. Like anyone could forward that to a media outlet or copy it and paste it on social media. You know, you have published something. Um, and so, you know, beyond that, thinking how can we actually reach the people that we need to and tell them some good news stories about our organization, for example. And so you can do that through email, which we're all juggling too many of, or you could reach them through Instagram, sharing great photos of your staff and their achievements or, you know, the support that you provide to the community or wherever it is that they may be. But understanding that, you know, as there are sort of, there's an increased expectation from employees that, um, their workplace matches their own personal values. You know, they want to see more of that content, I think, on the platforms where they already hang out. Do you think, Amanda, is there something in that also around the idea of um, owning and controlling messages versus democratising them and, and kind of entrusting and empowering people to, to have a voice and to share their perspective in a way that is authentically theirs, as opposed to having to start having to lead every single conversation i think that that's what becomes resource intensive that's what becomes tiring and that's why people tune out whereas if you give the microphone as one of our clients said give the microphone to your people they have some fantastic stories to tell and they can actually deliver a message in a personal authentic way whatever the channel might be but obviously enterprise social gives you an added advantage of that kind of communal engagement they're going to bring that to life in a completely different way and, and oftentimes in a more effective way rather than the official script. I do. I do think that. And, you know, it will depend on the level of maturity that the organisations reached. You know, perhaps they are a bit earlier on in their journey and there is a sense of needing to provide a bit more support and perhaps shareable content to their employees to kind of kick off that that journey and and... Um, encouraging them and, and making it safe for them to do that. And um, I think then beyond that, there's actually a place for empowering people to 
take their own action online and become real kind of advocates and spokespeople for the organization, you know, in a, a meaningful way. And I think there's a couple of really um, well-known case studies of that, you know, Starbucks, I think has been well-known over time for encouraging content sharing by its employees. And, but often that was, it's sort of within certain boundaries and, you know, in guide, in, um, line with their social media policy and so it's yes please share but you know within some limits and then other examples like Spotify which you know rather than um, setting boundaries that are too close they hey you are an expert in a certain area be that expert online and add value to our customers by being you and doing what you do best you don't have to run it all past us instead you know you add value and we trust you to do that that's why we've hired you so I think you know there's there's a bit of a spectrum probably that we see online yeah and look where's Scoop Niska from the Huffington Post once said if you don't like the news go out and make some of your own you know so this is about an organization coming up with a single source of truth and the the information that it wants to convey uh, broadly externally and internally you know I've worked for organizations where they haven't liked the level of uh of uh, feedback that they've got from uh, external news agencies. So, you know, I've worked with that organisation to actually create their own internal television network to tell us the real source of truth, the information around the stories, the reality, so that the employees were getting the correct information around the stories rather than the, the scuttlebutt that they might have been picking up from uh, external airwaves. And so we've been talking around this uh, a little bit in terms of alignment of internal and external communications and I guess that larger kind of um, bundle of employee communication which can happen on any platform. But what what are some practical tips then for digital communicators that are trying to perhaps move from an environment of you know, producing internal and external materials into one that is um, a more open and transparent communication environment where messages are consistent for internal internal and external audiences because i think you know uh, um, that consistency of voice and that experience for employees you know whether you're reading something on an internal platform versus how your organization presents itself on linkedin if there's a disconnect there you know that can generate an issue of trust amongst employees and so yeah, it'd be good to hear from the group um you know, some tips on how to manage that. I don't think it's just about the, the disconnect in terms of voice, Amanda. I think it's also if you're super active internally and you are always sharing news and information with what can be termed within a safe environment, I suppose, somewhere where you're not really privy. You know, as you said, like anything can be screenshot and shared with external audiences today. But by and large, people perceive internal comms to be a safer space than external comms. It's, it's more predictable. So if you're only ever communicating in that environment, I would argue that there's less truth to the message in the sense that when something is taken external for the whole world to see, it comes with greater gravitas. It comes with greater emphasis and and kind of substance behind it because you're saying, this isn't just something we're talking about within the four walls of our organization. This is something that we're willing to, to say to anyone anywhere at any time they can come and search my message and and see it and see what we stand for so i think there's also that dynamic at play here which is if you are only keeping messages internally you may actually be limiting the impact of those messages in not sharing them with external audiences so i think that's probably you know part of the maturity journey in terms of breaking away from having an internal focused comms uh, workflow and process and being more about what impact do we want any message to have? 
And it comes back to what we were talking about right at the start, which is around the intended outcome of any communications. That's going to inform where you choose to, to share that message. It's going to choose uh, inform the channel, the format, all the, who owns that message, who delivers that message. If you're very clear on why you're sharing something and what you're trying to get out of it, it's almost like the rest of it takes care of itself to some extent. I appreciate that simplifying it, but to some extent, it is made so much more easy. Yeah. I think you have to over-communicate what tool you use, when and where. I mean, that's critical all the time because people are always saying, well, where, where do we put this? Do we send an email? Do we put it on enterprise social media? Do we put it up on the internet? Well, sometimes the, might, the answer might be, all of those and external media, but in, in different forms. So, But you have to have a playbook for this as an organization. You have to set some foundations on writing style, where you want certain messages to go. You know, if it's a push message, where does it go? If you want two-way messages, how are you going to do that? What style are you going to use for those different channels? How are we going to use images? Are we going to use video? It's all got to be supported by data too. If you don't have data backing this up to show that your communications are working in certain areas and not others, more importantly, not others, then you know, you're know you failing because you're just randomly saying, I'm gonna put this out on an enterprise social media platform because I think it's right. That's not the way, that's not the way to do communication. So you really gotta come from a strong foundation. I would argue, Mark, people do it because they have it, not even because it's right or not right. It's because we have that channel and we've always used it and therefore out it goes. True. Yeah, and 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 to both of yours point, I feel like external comms we're used to sort of tracking things and um, you know tracking their performance and and evaluating and you know considering whether something was successful or not. Whereas internal comms, sometimes people are, are happy that it's gone out or it's being put on a channel, um, and there's not a lot of well, did the right people get it? Did was the message got across? Was it an effective piece of communication? So I think evaluation is important. And I also think if you're having these conversations as far as trying to change your internal comms, you really need to be looking at a sort of a higher level. Are you like solving problems? Is there something that, is there a strategic thing that you're trying to help? Like to Amanda's point, are you trying to you know reduce the amount of time people ring up IT or or something, some actual physical thing or something that people are doing? Um, will that be the solution? Uh, it can't just be oh we just want this channel because or it's a new piece of technology or it's something it's just something else we want to get out. There's got to be a a reason why you're doing it, and then you have to really communicate those benefits back. Um, to your senior leaders and executives um, as to why you would keep doing it. The old chestnut of raising awareness. <laughs> and I was just, I was just going to quickly go into bat for the internal audience, Tim, and just say I think that anyone anywhere can certainly uh, be accused of posting anything for the wrong reasons. It's not, yeah, I wouldn't say we're sitting either side of that divide on a lack of strategy, um, but hopefully people are listening to some of these tips and ideas and, and seeing there is method in, I would say, and kind of distilling some of the different points we've made, there's method in having leadership engagement from the outset, not just justifying at the other end and saying, here's the wonderful work that we've done. But really what I'm hearing through what all of you are saying is the importance of audience. Like for me, that Amanda feels like the best starting point. If you're clear on audience, and obviously you've got to be clear as you're saying there, Tim, around what you're trying to get out of it. But if you're clear on audience and where they want to hear from you, where they want to hear from you on certain topics and the method or the format in which they're going to best receive a message, 
that's got to be critically important. And that's Amanda got to help you take that step from internal to external is knowing, well, where is this message going to be best received? Because if the answer is not internal, why are you bothering there in the first place? And I think underpinning that always, you know, is just mapping what you are communicating to your values and it's values as an organization values as an individual and if you can you know link messages to that you're on solid ground in terms of the the content and the the sentiment that you're sharing and I think that combination of audience focus and values is really powerful and um, can help guide really difficult conversations that digital communicators might have to have with leaders or you know with approving Um, contacts within their organization, you know, to get approvals for content is, you know, we should do this piece of content that might be, you know, a bit more um, open or, or, um, you know, revealing perhaps than usual, but it's linked to these values and it will resonate for these reasons and, and it helps you advocate for good communication outcomes. After all, Amanda, this is building a personal brand. That's what this is all about building a personal brand for your organization internally and externally. That's why we communicate. And if you've got radical transparency around your communications, then an audience externally or internally should buy into that. I say should because they won't always, but they should. It sounds eerily like a digital reputation, Mark, which is music to my ears, obviously. But but I think that's, that's actually an important point to call out because there's this other thing going on, Amanda, which is that I think people have this perception, as we were saying before, about it being safer internally. But if if they're one version of themselves, as Mark's saying, in terms of that personal brand, if they're one version of themselves internally because of that you know, safety, and they're a completely different person in person, or they're a completely different person in other communication channels, that jars with people, and it completely undoes any good work done in any channel. So consistency is key, as you're saying. It's got to be, this is my voice, this is my voice across any channel. Sure, you're going to tweak it based on the format or any restrictions or limitations a platform puts on you, but you've still got to be the same person. They've got to hear you through your words, regardless of where you are. And I think... And I think that's... Sorry, Amanda, just on that point for Roger. And I, I don't think that's... It's um it's an easy thing to do as well is to have that be that honest and transparent um le- leaders like I've been I've been I've worked in places where um they wanted to do so sort of like online town halls and they wanted to have people to be able to ask questions and provide feedback and after one it was turned off because it was a bit too confronting what employees would say on those platforms so. It's, it's not a straightforward thing to just be like, oh, senior leaders, like go onto these platforms and be honest and transparent and, and talk with all your staff. Like it's, you, it's difficult conversations you've got to have um, to sort of show the benefits of it and, and get people on board. What I'd say to that is 100%. So what I'm not advocating for is bleeding heart transparency anywhere unless that's you. Well, the word that I'd use is authenticity. So if you are the sort of person who is incredibly transparent in one environment, but all of a sudden you're guarded and reserved in another, that jars. It's the inconsistency, I think, that causes the problem. And what I'd say to anyone who's worried about doing this kind of, we're throwing the doors open and encouraging open feedback on an external social platform, almost like the AMA scenario, ask me anything in any social channel. What I'd say is listen first. Because if you go into any environment, internal, external, even email, if you go into any communications environment with a, I want to get a certain outcome and you haven't first read the room, 
that's a huge risk and every leader must understand the tone and the mood of the organization before communicating but i think that's just communications one-on-one that same thinking applies in the social media world as much as anywhere else And as digital communication professionals, I think there's a role for us in equipping and supporting leaders to have some of those difficult internal discussions that, you know, ideally that type of feedback shouldn't be a surprise. You know, we should be prepared to hear, um, you know, various um, levels of feedback, um, you know, the the good and the harsh. And um, I know that there is definitely a, a varied risk appetite across organizations for how much they're willing to hear and tolerate, but, you know, equipping them with the right talking points, um, empowering them to give honest, but, um, you know, uh, messages that align with organizational policy is important and they should treat it, you know, an all staff, um, town hall is really, you know, a different version of a media interview and you want to be frank with your staff, but essentially, you know, you are broadcasting and responding to questions from a large audience. And, and so there needs to be a layer of support. I think that digital comms professionals provide their internal spokespeople. That might be a good place to end our chat today. We've covered a lot of ground. I think this might be one of our longer episodes, but it's clear that there's a lot to tackle in terms of digital communication for employee comms. And if there's something that we didn't cover today, you can leave us a comment and suggest a future topic. We're always open to hearing from people about what we can discuss. I'm Amanda. And as usual, joining me for this chat with Tim, Mark and Roger. Thanks for listening and catch you next time. Thanks so much, Amanda. Thanks again for listening. If you valued today's conversation, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share it with others. For more details on today's show or to get in touch, head to gdln.card with two rs.co or Google Government Digital Leaders Network.